0: Hello, Steph here. I'm not hosting this week. I'm leaving you in the capable hands of Milo, Gareth and Ram, who I'm sure will have plenty to discuss this week. So, we'll all be tuning in together. Me, you, listening to The Great Trio.
1: Hello and welcome to The Game is About Glory. As you just heard, Steph is unable to make it this week as he's hanging with the hipsters in Portland. I'm Milo and helping me ensure that we still have a podcast for Steph to return to are Ram and Gareth. Hi, chaps.
2: Hello, Milo. Hello, Milo. (laughs)
1: This is our 100th episode, so help yourself to a slice of cake and a glass of whatever you fancy as we look back at Saturday's 6-2 thrashing of Leicester. Both Gareth and Ram were at White Hart Lane, so I'm looking forward to hearing about the atmosphere in the ground towards the end. We'll also have to spend a little less time than it takes Sung Hyung Min to score a hat-trick discussing the 2-0 defeat to Sporting Lisbon. We're all about the joy of six this week. But let's start by looking back at the week that was. Gareth Southgate confirmed this week that he was the last person in the country to recognise Eric Dyer's excellent form over the last year by recalling him to the England squad to face Italy and Germany in the Nations League. So guys, what do you think his chances of getting some minutes are?
0: I think if England play a 4-3-3 as they normally do, then I'm not sure he'll get that much playing time to start with, but I can definitely see him featuring. Um, mm. I think he deserves the opportunity to play his way back into World Cup contention. Um but I think mainly I'm hoping that Southgate can see that, like, how much his natural leadership skills have developed since he mm. last had him in the squad.
2: Yeah, so I think there's a couple of factors. Firstly, he's a player who's in really good form and he's very trusted by a very good coach. And he's playing for a team towards the top of the league and playing in the Champions League as well. And he's now scoring goals, which means he's got to be an asset as well. And the other thing to consider is just in relative terms, there's not much there that he's competing against at the moment. We know that the troubles mm. Harry Maguire's faced this mm. year. John Stones is playing irregularly for for Manchester City. Uh, Connor Cody wasn't kept on at Wolves and is now playing for a... Um, Everton side near the bottom of the table. Tyrone Mings' form seems to have dropped off a cliff as well. So I think when you look at it like that, whether England play in a back four or in a, in a in a back three, Eric Dyer has got to be the best performing English defender playing regularly at the highest level in in both the Premier League and in the Champions League as well.
1: Yeah, and then some of the other options are inexperienced, aren't they? So mm. yeah. And So do you think this puts him in good stead for? Um, a place at the World Cup squad.
2: Yeah, he's going to play against really tough opponents. So if he plays in the next two games for England in the next break, that's Italy and Germany. And you think if he if he plays well in both of those, then his name's got to be on Southgate's squad. This is the final squad that he's picking mm. for the World Cup, as you, as you mentioned. So this is now the chance you've almost got to play yourself out of the squad, I think, <laughs> rather than playing
0: yourself into it at this point. Yeah, I agree, Gareth. I think that I think you know he's he's been fantastic for us. He's he's almost the first name on the team sheet and has been uh, for the last few seasons. But I feel he's much more convincing in a back three, in, yeah. in my opinion, uh, than he is in a two. I think he needs uh, that he needs a certain type of player next to him, a certain type of personality next to him in, in a back in a two man uh, central defensive partnership. But um, so I think that could potentially go against him in terms of being a, a, a starter. But I think, I mean, I actually put in my notes that uh, perhaps he's further down the pecking order than some of the other options. But when, Gareth, you've just mentioned all the names now, I'm like, actually, he's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you look at the what, what uh, the other players we have.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with you about him in a, in a two rather than a three. I think, you know, we saw under Mourinho that he was struggling on the turn so you know if he's pushing up and someone you know gets past him he struggles with that um and i think the conte system where he's the deepest of the three central defenders really suits him he's got the play in front of him and um you know that's where his kind of range of passing and read of the game reading of the game really really come in um i suppose in a world cup squad he's a really useful option to have because england probably aren't you know aren't blessed with with central defenders of his experience who can, who can play in the middle of a 3 so that might be yeah. something you yeah, know maybe we'll see con uh, maybe we'll see um southgate experiment with that in these two games you know, she said it's um, they're tough tests, so maybe maybe that's something we'll look at. Mm. I do feel a little sorry for um, for on. I think if, if you know if England are going to switch to a three man defence, then as a wing back, he would be a really good option. And yeah, England again aren't blessed with. Um, with natural wing backs in his position, but yeah, I think maybe the World Cup's just come a little bit too early for him.
0: Yeah, I think I think if he carries on the tra- trajectory that he has been, I think he, he'll be involved in the future for sure.
2: Yeah, I think probably wrong wrong time for him. At least it's come around a little bit too quick for him at the moment. If he's playing a back three, you think that Ben Chilwell has just come back into full fitness. Yeah. That will be his spot. Luke Shaw obviously hasn't had a great start to the to the season, um, and then Needham Saka is an option at left wing back. Who probably all ahead of Cessignon at the moment.
1: Or, or Trippier. I'm yeah, guessing. we're, we're <laughs> from Yeah, to play. yeah well, obviously
2: we're we're blessed with right backs. So, uh, Trippier, Alexander, Arnold, Reese, James. Probably one of them would play left side. <laughs>
1: Um, let's, let's move on to uh, Manager and saver of the Month So Antonio Conte and Hugo Lloris Lost out to uh, Mikel Arteta and Nick Pope For the Manager and saver of the Month Awards for August Erlin Haaland got Player of the Month And Alan St-Maximin got Goal of the Month Probably fair, isn't it?
0: I think so. I think he'd struggle to find a better goal and save elsewhere. Um, I think Haaland has had a ridiculous start Um, and I think he's proven the hype quite real so far. Arteta deserves it for the start Arsenal have had. I just hope it just makes it all the more sweeter when they do... Which they will uh, crumble. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and objectively, for the month of August, they won five games out of five, and they're the only team to do that. So it's difficult, perhaps, to look beyond that for this sort of award.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that what I said last week week about the curse of the manager of the month turns out to be bollocks and... um, (laughs) And therefore, those dies, but um, they've barely played in September. So we'll have to wait till October to see that happen, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Well, let's see. It's October 1st, isn't it? The NLB.
1: That would be a good time for that bad form yeah. to be really here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, you think, um, Manager of the Month of September, as you said, there's no more games in September now. And because there weren't any last week, they're going to be basing this just on two league games, of which we've won both of ours, against Fulham and Leicester. So Conte will definitely be in the running for that one. Mm. Damn it. So maybe a double manager of the month award ahead of the North London derby with Arteta receiving the August award and Conte receiving the September yeah. award.
0: So <laughs> drab nil nil. Upcoming. Yeah,
2: which would be a point more than we got last year, so I'll take that, yeah. I'd take that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a
1: step up (laughs) from last season, isn't it? (laughs) 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 Uh, Let's move on to yesterday's game against Leicester City, which was fantastic, or at least the second half was fantastic. But let's start off with... The team selection. How surprised were you by the team Conte put out?
2: I was very surprised by it. I was expecting him to be typically conservative, and despite all the all the all the mood music from forums and podcasts, of which I'm sure he listens and reads <laughs> absolutely none of them, um, I was you know, expecting there maybe to be one change. I was even in, in my mind, I was expecting Sun still to be in the starting mm. eleven. So to see that there were four changes, you know, was, was was a big surprise. I don't think any of us, of course, knew. That Davis had picked up the injury on um, in, in midweek, and even then, I think it's probably a, a flip of the coin between him and him and Langley. Anyway, yeah. I don't again. I don't think anyone was um, expecting Romero to be out the side mm. either. Although, you know, in hindsight, there was a moment in the game in Lisbon where it looked like he he was perhaps he felt an injury at some point in the first half and I did mm. wonder then whether he's going to be able to carry on but he but, but he didn't just wonder whether Conte thought well you know maybe he's only got half an hour in him this week so I'll um, I'll, I'll shuffle things around a little bit but yes in answer to your question yes very surprised that there were four changes
0: yeah I was surprised as well Gareth I thought um now we know Davis was injured so that's self-explanatory I'll be honest I'm not biggest fan of messing about too much with a settled back line Mm. um so that was it was it wasn't concerning at the time i thought there's obviously reasons why conti does this and his reasonings are infinitely more knowledgeable come from an infinitely more knowledgeable base than (laughs) my reasonings you know but yeah personally i'm not a big fan i think we've got a fairly settled back line and we should just be kind of bringing one in one out as rotation un- mm. you know injury and suspensions notwithstanding but I did think Deke had to come in for this because I yeah. think he spent a bit of time on the bench so it was the right decision um, to start him.
1: No, I would agree with that I mean Conte had, um, had floated the idea or talked about Perisic at right wing back during the week in one of his press conferences so I'd kind of known that that was you know maybe an option I was really surprised by Sanchez for Romero uh, and I think Romero mm. was at, at fault for Sporting's second goal and you know, he, he switched off for that so maybe that was also a factor. I think some for Deki has been you know, obvious for a couple of weeks. I was, uh, I'm a bit surprised yeah. we didn't do it earlier um, yeah. and I think we're a, a far weaker side without Deki in it. He, he just really helps us hold on to the ball further up the pitch and that's been a real problem in the last last few weeks with um with their son Kane and um, Richarlison front line so I think that was long overdue yeah I mean on Ben Davis it doesn't sound too bad so it's a hairline fracture which he picked up against Sporting Lisbon and played on he's not available for Wales during the break but it appears that he should be available for us shortly afterwards so Mm -hmm. all things considered it seems that we, we got off a little lightly there yeah. So we got off to the worst possible start in the game. Were there any questions about the Sanchez foul or the retaken penalty?
0: Do you know what? It, it was a penalty. He made contact inside the box, or at least on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back at it, I think it's fair to say the intent was to pull out of the challenge, but his momentum made the contact inevitable. So, it it may have been. I think he, he was he was quite lambasted for it. You know, he was told it was very clumsy. It was this. It was that. And I look back at it now, and I'm like, he he did do his best not to, you know, make the challenge, but it was a penalty, and it was on the line. I don't think there's any arguments with that. And then on the flip side, both Hugo's feet were off the line. Were off the line. Yeah. <laughs> so uh so i think that's fair as well it was a great it was really good save um uh, and he went the right way the second time but i think in you know in in my head i'd like to think that although he he, the penalty had to be retaken we can still chalk that as another hugo penalty save (laughs) just between us between friends
2: (laughs) yeah well he's got history You, you might remember he saved a penalty against jamie vardy uh, Wembley back in 2019 when Vardy had just come on and it was his first kick of the ball and Lloris yeah. made the save to the to the exact same corner but just in the build-up to the penalty it was a really erratic um, pattern of play for us so it starts by madison playing uh mm. switching a ball to the right which comes to sanchez and rather than comfortably dealing with it he sort of throws a foot at it and doesn't really make any distance on the clearance at all then perisic on two occasions throws himself in for challenges w- of which he doesn't make either of and then sanchez comes in and thinks well yeah, hold my point i'm going to try it as well and then as you said by the time he then tries to pull out of it it's too late because that, that action. Had already um, had already taken him into the challenge, which which committed the penalty. So it was it was a pretty really erratic moment for Spurs, having actually started the game in the first two or three minutes, mm. really quickly and really brightly, and with some really good intensity.
1: Yeah, I mean, it did appear to kind of impact on or affect Sanchez through the first half. I thought he looked nervy through the rest of the. You know, mm. Yeah, you know, up until he went off, really. Yeah,
2: yeah. but there was there was a real nervousness about so many of the players, particularly mm. in that in that defensive third. That the ball was almost like a pinball on the edge of our area. It was just bouncing off. You know, both Bentenker and Hoiberg and Perisic were all equally guilty of yeah, the, the ball just hitting them and them not being able to control it and misplacing passes. And Davo, as we know, unfortunately, has got that in his locker as well. He he can be very clumsy on the ball, and and you would think and you'd think that if the nerves are had, um, had affected him as well having conceded that penalty so early on as well that's suddenly five players across the across the back five who are giving a possession away cheaply and just you know inviting Leicester to have the ball in dangerous areas
1: yeah and say so, and Leicester were pressing as well which is something that Sanchez isn't particularly comfortable with so hmm. um it kind of leads you to well you know to not pass to him and um and him to try and clear the ball quickly because he's worried about someone coming on to him yeah so in the first half Overall, how do, you know, how do you think we played? Because it, it really was a you know, cliche time, kind of game of two halves.
0: Yeah, I think we did really well to get back into the game within a couple of minutes of conceding. They thought, Decky, you know, with another brilliant cross in for Kane, he loves score against Leicester. Um, that first half did make me angry. No, <laughs> because all of our problems stem from ourselves. Um, we invited Leicester back into the game by being sloppy with our passing, especially the short passing, especially, and lacking focus. Um, I thought Sess had a poor half in that regard. Um, and I felt he was at fault for Madison's goal. He, was, he just he missed his defensive header. And then there was a lack of awareness of where the ball had gone. Um, we should have been comfortable uh in in that half and and the you know Leic- Leicester we allowed them to get back into it basically
1: yeah I, I watched that well i watched the game again um this afternoon um on Spurs play just a tip here i i meant to recommend this last week so on on Spurs play you can alter the speed of the game so um if you want to catch up before you're recording a pod you can do it on double time which is good you know uh, like for the shape of the t- the game and everything else but the best bit about it is Conte is hilarious at twice the speed <laughs> <laughs> You know, just just for giggles, that's really good. But yeah, watch the game at twice the speed. And then the the incidents that you want to watch again, you can go down to quarter speed. So kind of all of the goals and all that kind of stuff, I get to those bits, slow it down, and then you can speed up (laughs) for the rest of it and you can watch the patterns of play. So I watched it again. And um, Sess is quite a way over as as the ball, as the cross comes in. He's quite quite a long way over, kind of uh, uh, on the edge of the box. And he's running backwards, watching the flight of the ball. And then he jumps to head it and Castagna comes through the back of him. And I don't think Cess knows he's there or at least can't see him. And then he overpowers him. So I think it certainly on first viewing, I thought he was completely at fault. I think watching it again, he 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 had to watch the flight of the ball. He's going backwards, running yeah, backwards, that's fair. and I don't I don't think he catches that run. Yeah, it's um, that's it's a funny fair, one.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing that you're taught as a defender, aren't you? Like always watch the flight of the ball. Yeah, um, and just make sure you win it, basically. And I think, yeah, I think it is fair. At the time, it looked like he kind of missed the ball and then had no idea.
1: That's what I thought first time.
0: Yeah, if he if he didn't know he was that Castagna was in the back of him, then that yeah. That's obviously a, a factor there, but Madison's goal—I I thought he would kicked it at first. Mm. But watching the highlights, I think he—it feels like he maybe did mean it. Oh, he—he he definitely <laughs> meant it. Yeah, yeah I had yeah, I,
2: yeah. I the perfect view. I was sitting right behind the, the line of the strike, and he caught yeah. that. That was the one spot in the. That he could have kicked that in, that it was going to loop yeah. over Larice's arm, and that he was going to get there before Dyer yeah. got to the ball. So, the, the actual finish itself, I think, you just have to put it down as an absolutely magnificent goal. It and was, I yeah. think I know we, we've got a footnote in here to talk about Leicester, but Madison for me is an outstanding player. He was a real mm. privilege to watch yesterday. You know, a really busy player, so technically tidy on the ball as well. I think he's can play in a number of different positions mm. as well. Yeah. So he was he was very impressive. And I don't think as a result, I don't think that goal was an accident.
0: No. He's good enough, definitely. He's he was he's definitely good enough. I think I it was more hope on my side that <laughs> it was a miskick, but yeah, it was a very good goal.
1: I'd agree with that. I think um I thought Leicester were really poor yesterday. I think mm. they're they're a terrible, terrible side. <laughs> but they're a terrible side full of good players. And I think Rodgers has just been around too long and I think they've stopped listening to him which seems to be a trend with rogers you know that his Liverpool team completely fell to pieces in his last season or you know part of a season I, I think you know maybe maybe people just get bored of hearing from him after a while I don't I don't know you know diminishing returns I'm not sure but mm-hmm. I thought uh, I thought Madison was excellent uh, I yeah. thought Castanio was good I thought they're, they're, they've got some good players there but um I think they probably need someone else leading them and oh Madison you know I, I I was quite up for him when we were linked in the summer mm. and I think, you know, on the basis of yesterday and, you know, what well, I've seen before, but, you know, on the basis of yesterday, I think it would be a useful, you know, squad addition for us.
0: I, I totally agree and I think... Uh in the past when we've talked about him we you know we've talked about there's there's been question marks on his attitude and things like that but yesterday it showed he he really cared and even when even when they capitulated he he still really cared and he was still fighting and at the end of the game uh being there I saw uh, him at the when the final whistle went he sort of fell to his knees and then fell to the floor because I think he was just so like dejected you know and rather than just slinking off he was he was upset and then he went he went over to the Leicester fans and so you know so I think I I agree Milo. my life. I, I'd actually really like to have him. I think he'd be a great squad member. Uh, and I think, he, you know, he scores goals, he, he creates. Um, but just on a side note, I, I do want to say, since they've won the league... They've really thrown that in our faces because you know they they especially where after Harry put out that tweet you know with the mm. lines and stuff like that. But they've they've always and their fans have always sung to us about it. But we've given them a few moments now <laughs> since that time, and I, and I feel like it's obviously not the same as winning the league <laughs> and shutting them up. But I feel like we put them back in their place a, at least a little bit.
1: <laughs> so do you think this is yes yesterday or this weekend was better than sneaking the win at their place last season? is quite big, isn't it? It is
0: big, but that was... At the death. That was... That was a victory from the jaws of defeat.
2: No, that that would take some beating, <laughs> wouldn't it? Or from, yeah. from, from their perspective, it was defeat from the jaws of the yeah, mm. yeah. other, other yeah. way around. But we've beaten yeah. them. We've put six past them twice since then. We won 6-1 yeah. towards the end of the season in 2017 when Harry scored that's, four. And, so s- right. six again yesterday, and the, there was the 3-2, and, uh, and there was the 4-2 on the, on the final day of the previous season, which yeah. didn't do a great deal for us, but it denied them... Champions League spot, and yeah. remember they were two one up when going up into the last six or seven minutes of that game yeah. as well. But it's a really, really entertaining game. I think there's been fifty six goals between the two teams in the last twelve yeah. games, or something ridiculous I, like that. It's.
0: I remember the five four at Wembley as well. Yeah, I think yeah, that was a
2: really good game. One of the season, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So. What was the atmosphere in the ground like at the end of the first half?
2: It was um, well. I mean, from from my pers- from from my perspective, I felt that the frustration was really creeping in. It was a, a mm. feeling of although it, it was it was a very different. The, the game panned out very differently to other games, which have caused frustration. Um, I think there was a sense of we're really under the cosh here. We're we're really we're really nervous about what's going to happen in the second half, and I think that was justified. I think at half time you, you thought this could go one way or the other. Here, I could see Leicester. This could win this game four three. Mm. It could go either way mm. today. So you could understand that that frustration. I do not but you me Ram? You sit behind the goal, don't you? So
0: I'm, I've, I've I've changed seats now to sit with my mates. So we're in the south stand, but we're about three quarters of the way up behind, just just to the right of the goal. Um, there was there was a smattering of boos. <laughs> I did hear that. But it was, it was, it was more, it was, even the booze were a bit half hearted. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was just, there was a few very, fr- I think there were people like me, they were angry. They just, they just decided to express it more than I did. You know, I was just frustrated. But, you know, I think, I think we were frustrated. And as fans, I think, it was just that there was that kind of element of, we've seen this before and we don't mm. like it. You know, please, please, please stop. <laughs> please, please please, just give us that comfort level back.
1: But- it's a funny one, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, Leicester got their two goals you know from two mistakes really didn't they and although yeah. although they you know we did our best to keep them in it and although they were up on possession and so one of my frustrations on kind of tv commentary is that i think commentators are kind of obsessed by possession because it's an easy stat to understand mm. and they kind of judge who's on top in a game based on possession when i think in a you know when a conte side is playing it's irrelevant because you know he's not looking to dominate possession but i do wonder also within yeah, within the ground, if you're watching a game and obviously you've you gifted a team two, two goals, but then also you're gifting them possession and you're sitting back and then trying to hit them on the break, whether that also um kind of creates that, that negativity and
2: Yeah, I think it does yeah. and probably um couple to that as well is the fact that you, everyone sensed that if you had a go at this Leicester team, you only needed to probably. didn't need to get that many shots on goal before you were going to beat the goalkeeper. And if there was a weakness in there, it was it was it was in their defence. So it felt yeah. like it was a game where if we get at them, we will outscore them without yeah. without a doubt. But like you say, it was the combination of the fact that we were so haphazard with the ball in our defensive third with possession added to the fact that we were quite happy to cede possession of the ball and sit in our in our final third that it just created a, a you know a nervousness mm. across the crowd which again yeah. I as I I can understand because at half time I couldn't tell you which way the game was going to go
1: I've got to be honest, I, I felt quite confident because I thought Leicester were playing a kind of suicidally high line which uh, I think against the Conte team is it's a real mistake you know particularly you know with the players we we had on and then you know as we'll go on to talk about the players we brought on i just think it's you know it's playing into our hands and you know we do struggle against teams that press but if you're not a great pressing side then that's pretty much our ideal opponent and i don't think leicester were particularly good at pressing and then on top of that they've got a really 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 dodgy keeper i think (laughs) um uh danny ward was appalling yesterday and um, that that combination of you know high line, not brilliant press, and shit keeper is just a gift to us.
0: I think that's that's it. That's it. You know, and that's why we should have been so comfortable mm. uh, in that first half. And because we weren't, it was frustrating. But I think realistically, I coming out of the second half, I was like, if we, if we just, if we just carry on, if we get rid of that kind of sloppiness and just keep our focus and play to our strengths then yeah we would have I didn't think we'd win it as comfortably as we did I thought it would still be a tight game but um, obviously I proved very wrong
2: (laughs) yeah but I think that was the key to it in the second half is that we just cut out all the sloppiness or at least 90% of the sloppiness so the ball wasn't bouncing off players shins in the second half Um, and we were engaging Leicester higher up the pitch as well which Mm. which helps so first off for whatever reason season um just one of just one of those games where it was really mistake ridden
1: i was going to hold on to this till later on but as you've brought it up gareth I'll, I'll I'll talk about it now so i think um in central midfield there was absolute like total change in that second half in terms of um how positive you know progressive um our central midfielders were with the ball yeah. so bentencourt in the first half it was three out of 15 passes he made that were progressive passes. In the second half, it's nine out of 30. So he gone from 20% to 30%. Hoibier was five out of 24 in the first half, 15 out of 37 in the second half. So both central midfielders, you're seeing a higher volume of um, passes in total, but also a higher percentage of those passes being progressive. And I think I think you could see that even before you know, the changes and the change in formation, I think we were a lot more... Um, you know a lot more positive a lot more you know positive with the ball looking to get forwards um, you know dominant you know I mean the Benton Kerr goal you know would be a mm. you know prime example of that where he's you know snatching yeah. onto a you know, mistake by Ndidi and uh, and putting it away and I think probably that's been the story of our second half this season hasn't it I, I'm not sure we've had a good first half all season really in terms of well, certainly not a pretty first half all season mm. but we tend to survive them and then come out better yeah
0: Yeah. I think that's a very good point and I think that's what Conte brings you as well he brings you like this element that we're we're still solid we might not be creating much in that first half we might not be we might be going into it drawing or anything like that but we're certainly solid you know for the most part um and then we can really express ourselves in the second and I'm glad you brought uh, Hoybier and Bentancur up purely because I actually haven't written anything about them anywhere in my notes but actually they were really good in mm. that second half and I thought I thought Hojbjerg was um, was dynamic you know in terms of where where the positions he was taking up how how much he was carrying the ball forward um, and Bentonker a few times I noticed even past Harry he was the trigger for yeah. our uh, for press
1: Bentancur obviously got, got third and then I think it was Son's second where he did a double tackle out on the on the touchline and then and and then played a beautiful ball through for Sun to to um to get the shot away from um and we're jumping around all over the place here because we've got (laughs) questions around the change of formation but i think probably without playing a a five-man midfield he's probably not in that part of the pitch in order to make that challenge and and play that pass through agreed yeah so before yeah. we get on to that change in formation, should we just talk about set pieces? Because I think there's yeah. plenty of evidence in this game about the good work that Gianni Vio has been doing.
2: Yeah, well, uh, if, I, if I give you my stat that I'd lined up beforehand... Last season we had 254 corners in total, and we scored three goals for them. So that is 1.2 uh, percent of our corners ended up as goals. This year we've had 54 corners, and we've scored from four of them already. So that's seven and a half percent. So that is um, you know more than more than four times. Increasing our um, conversion of corners to goals, which we all know are pretty low percentages. I, I think sort of the league average traditionally has been around three percent. So if we're at seven and a half percent, we are we are more than doubling that. Um, mm-hmm. And we were we'd regress to about half of that league that, um, number last year.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: having V O in has made a really tangible difference straight away. I think it's um, not only in him and having those uh, those sequences. I think it's also in the quality of deliveries that yeah. we have available, so yeah. certainly from from Perisic being the being the obvious one, but the one where Sonny and Kulisevsky play the ball short and then receive the ball where they've got an angle to whip the ball in from as well makes a big difference. In the last game against Fulham, we had a goal disallowed, didn't we, quite rightly, mm-hmm. when Sonny played that short one too and then whipped the ball in and I think Kane was judged to be offside. Uh, so having quality players helps as well. Playing against Leicester City is a huge advantage as well because they're defending from set pieces, not this season, but last season at all has been utterly appalling. And I think Match of the Day's analysis of it, of the first goal that we scored yesterday, you see that Fez and Evans have, have gone forward. To try and push up, and they haven't noticed that there's three defenders behind, keeping four yeah. of our players onside as well. So mm-hmm. it's never going to be quite as easy scoring for the set pieces as it was against Leicester yesterday. But yeah. the numbers do speak for themselves.
1: And say so Kane was completely unmarked at the back post for that first goal, yeah. wasn't he? I think I think that's the first time we've seen that routine with um, Deke playing short to Perisic, and then mm. him going wide. But it was really beautifully worked. The second one, the dire goal. We it, we tried again in the second half and and, and nearly yeah. got something from and yeah. then if if you include the goal where Sanchez took out Ward, then you yeah, know actually we've probably had four good chances from corners mm-hmm. in that game, which is um you know yeah. remarkable really you know quite a big change from from where we were
0: yeah yeah it, it feels like we have a purpose with every set piece we take now and i'm not saying that we didn't have before but you it, it's like it's got we've leveled up on that and it's very conti like to be that well drilled um yeah and, you know with with certain things and it's yeah. paying dividends
1: yeah I, <laughs> I, I almost think it's a bit like the say we talk about a lot about the automations that we see in attacking play but almost from set pieces it's like automations from those mm-hmm. um you know with the dire goal um you've you've got uh players splitting to front and back post stretching play um stretching the the Leicester defense um you know starting from a, a central position it's making it difficult for them to to mark the space it's very similar to that i say i noticed also that say the the women's side who also played Leicester this weekend and say and one their second goal today came from a set piece. And I, I was wondering whether um, whether VO had been working with the women's team. I, I, I believe he's been working with the under-21s. So mm. it'd be interesting if that if that's the case. It's
0: such a great addition. And we talked about him, you know, a few pods ago at the start of the season. And it, it really is, it's those fine, well, it, I said it was those fine margins that he'll provide, yeah. you know, those couple of percent or not even that, 0.5%. But judging by what Gareth has said, objectively, whether if you take corners out and, and fit something in with those uh, something else in with those stats that is a massive swing
1: yeah i mean sun got three goals vo got two benton cool <laughs> got one yesterday that's that's how it that's how it scores up <laughs> <laughs> interesting i saw an interview with madison after the game um, where he came across really well but he was talking about their weaknesses uh, from set pieces and he said that they've brought in a, def- a set piece coach as well who's been working with them on the defensive side of set pieces. And he said they have been spending a lot of time on that in training. But obviously it didn't work yesterday. He was very frustrated with it. And it was an interview that he came across very well in he came across as um you know very mature very level-headed and um apart from thinking that they shaded the first half um i, I thought most of what he said was was pretty solid
0: are we tapping madison up for a sensational january transfer move <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we are is this is this a uh, game about glory exclusive
1: i think he probably needs <laughs> to move to into Milan or juve before he's going to be joining us doesn't he
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably fair, yeah. I could see him at
1: Atalanta, you know, so maybe yeah. that's... <laughs> there are a couple of interesting tactical changes from Conte in this game, and he was a bit more kind of proactive than uh, we've seen him be, probably pretty much since he joined us. So what do we make of, as i say, our wing-back switching sides, which we saw in the first half and um, for the first five ten minutes in the second half until Royale came on and then also the switch to three five two after we went 3-2 up
2: yeah so I, I think both wing backs were defensive liabilities yes they were touched on this already, so Perisic was consistently being absolutely skinned by James Justin on the left side, mm. he was just going past him like he wasn't there and then Sessignon, as you mentioned um, badly misjudged the uh, flight of the ball for for what turns out to be Leicester's goal he also did exactly the same in the second half So there was yeah. a ball that was played down mm. that left channel which he completely misjudged, castagna heads the ball back to Madison, who crosses for Dakar and that's the one that Lurie saves, save. so that's, that's possibly something to, yeah. um, you know, to, to be considered be to be concerned with. Um, I think the the criticisms of Conte or the the mood music going into it was that a he was never going to drop Sun. B that he's very reluctant to deviate away from the three four three system either at the start of the game or, or during game, or that he doesn't make subs early enough. And he did all three of those things yesterday. So. He made his first sub on 55 minutes yesterday. Now, I've had a look at when we, when, at what point he's made his first subs this season, and the, the average minute in which he has made his first sub has been the 70th this Mm. year. And yeah. that you know, take into account, there have been games where we've been quite comfortable. I.e., you know, Southampton, we were we were four one up against Fulham, we were we we were dominating. But there's also games like Chelsea away when we were really up against it. Uh, both the Champions League games, mm. we were we we were struggling in. Uh, so the fact that he's made a substitute so much earlier yesterday, and it wasn't because of an injury, I think is perhaps evidence of the fact that he's. He's aware that he's making changes too late.
1: Did you say that Sonny is it Sonny and Romero who are warming up or Royal who are warming up at halftime? Yeah,
2: so so this this was interesting. So I don't know whether you spotted this Ram at the game, but at half time you very, very rarely see players out warming up at all. And when you do, it seems really obvious that they're about to about to come on because they'll be warming up at a particular intensity. So not only were subs warming up down the touchline at much Greater urgency and great much greater intensity throughout the game, but at half time, um, both Sonny and Romero came out, and then they were sh- soon joined by Basuma, and there yes. was a coach out there and From yeah. the moment that the second half kicked off, Basuma was called over, and um, I think it 's christian Stellini had mm. the um, had the folder where he was going through the pages And so basuma 's arrival was absolutely imminent. then Bentancur scored, and then he sat down mm. again. It was actually Emerson Royale who came Mm, on. So, clearly something had been said, clearly something was in Conte's mind that he wanted to make changes sooner and he wanted subs ready to come on because all four of those were absolutely primed to come on before the second half had kicked off.
0: What can I add to that? I mean, firstly, hooray for tactical changes (laughs) mid-game, you know, but um, it is something we've been clamouring for as fans and it 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 really did pay off today. We took control of the midfield. It's something we've struggled against, um, you know, the so-called lesser team sometimes. I would like to see it deployed more often, but I'm not sure we'll ever start a game in that formation unless it's absolutely necessary due to injuries or suspensions. The wing-back switch, again, not a fan of really doing that with the defence, but I do understand why. Why Conte did it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think you've you've hit a lot of nails on the head there. And and I saw, yeah, I saw uh, the guy um, the guys come out in at halftime, and it was it, it really paid off. It really paid off, and it was really positive. It was positive mm. moves that Conte made to win the game. Um, and I think it, what's re- also really positive is to see our depth now, the yeah. players that we we can bring on um to, to change a game or to or to you know we've we've got we've got players on that bench that can do a job in any scenario, whether it's changing the game, staying comfortable, um, being solid, you know, or anything like that, someone that can, can pick a lock. We've got mm. we've got those players on the bench now.
2: Mm. I've just got a question about the subs. Milo, you're you're definitely the authority on this. So you'll know this. So this year, of course, you're allowed to make five subs, but mm-hmm. you're allowed only allowed to make those five subs and three. in three different moves. That's so right, yeah. by only bringing on Bissouma in that third sort of sub break, mm-hmm. that meant that although nominally you can use a fifth sub, we didn't then have the opportunity to bring on a fifth right, sub, because yeah. that would have been a full substitution period. Yeah. So he was obviously pretty mm-hmm. confident at that point that when Unless Basuma was came injury. on. That, that was the, yeah, that was the last change.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely right. Um, I think with Basuma, it's really interesting. So after the sporting game, uh, Conte said the only say, new player who is struggling a bit with the tactical aspect is Basuma, but also he's improving a lot with every aspect. So I'm sure that when we start again and play... 12 games so this is after the international break for sure he's another player i can count on i took that to mean that basuma was struggling with so gareth i can hear your cat there always, <laughs> yeah always a welcome addition to the podcast <laughs> saying, steph's not here this week but um <laughs> <laughs> but, but the cat is um i took that to mean that basuma was struggling with the automations <laughs> your cat's obviously got a lot to say about basuma. Yeah.
2: Got <laughs> <laughs> so a lot to say about a soft toy being thrown around. Ear,
0: yeah. I, that's the sort of moment where I wish that we filmed our podcast. So
2: I'll be given the kurzuma treatment, won't I? Oh jeez. Yeah.
1: I'm a bit worried since so they uh, Rammy you've got strong thoughts on animal liberation haven't you so I do I, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't want did that the a cat's disturbing podcast though <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're going to fall out over this can you leave it till Steph's back please yeah. <laughs> 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 um I t- <laughs> I took that to mean that um Basuma was struggling a bit to adapt to the automa- uh, automations and uh you know playing those uh, you yeah, know, attacking moves, absolutely kind of bang on, you know, inch perfect to the second. And I thought against West Ham, um, we could see that he was a little bit off the pace with that. Um, so I thought I thought it was really interesting that he brought him on when he did. Um, and particularly playing in the middle of those three is the deepest of the three. Um, actually, that's where all play has to go through him. So, you know, I thought it was a really interesting switch considering what he'd said midweek.
0: Yeah, definitely. and And, you know, I think Conte... I think there's a method to him saying stuff like that in his presses. You know, Mm. we've, we've talked before. He's always, there's always a message um, that he's, trying to put across and you know when he when he does his uh media duties um but i thought it was a really good show of confidence for basuma to say yeah he is struggling at the moment with with what we're doing but he will get it and then literally in the next game to be like right you're going to be in that pivotal role i'm going to bring you on in that pivotal role um to do that job and you know and that's only going to help basuma sort of uh integrate himself into the side
1: my reading of it at the time was that had made the switch to see out the game Mm. but i think um i think sunny had other ideas <laughs> um and you know what a way to re re-find your form you know a 13 minute twenty-one-second 21 second hat trick do you think the decision to bench him was justified do you think it's paid off and shower him with praise
0: i think that He had a point to prove um, and was chomping at the bit to get at that Leicester defence when he was brought on. Um, So I think that ultimately the decision was right to bench him um, because of what he did when he came off the bench. Um, His energy was superb and Leicester were all at sea trying to contain him and you know I think when you're showering praise then obviously the spotlight should only be on one of those subs in particular and you know his introduction into the game turned it completely on its head and I don't think that it's um hyperbolic to state that Emerson Royale should never be left out of a starting game again
1: (laughs) (laughs) have you got his name on the back of your shirt this season
0: (laughs) I haven't but I feel like I should
2: (laughs) Uh, to, I mean, my my take on Sonny was that it was probably a good game for an attacking player who's very quick and got a good change of pace to come into just because of the fact Leicester were committing themselves even further going forward. So yeah. I think that you would have found that had it been you know Kulu or Richarlison coming on, if it had been Lucas coming on, you know, even if it had been you know, Stephen Bergwijn coming on, they would have had joy and they would have had lots of space to run into. What, of course, none of those players have is sonny 's ability to score those goals from such low percentage position positions, and I think that he's you know, he's a victim of his own success, so I think what we 've mm-hmm. seen so far this season with Sonny is goals that he 's normally scored in the past which he 's got no right to score he hasn 't scored this year because they 've hit a crossbar or they 've yep. taken a deflection or they 've they've, they've been blocked so him scoring a goal yesterday is is, is more sort of a, a regression to the mean in terms of the way that Sonny takes those chances. I mean, the, the first two goals, one with his right foot, one with his his left foot an incredible ability he's spoken about how two-footed Perisic is, is earlier and Sonny having the ability to do that on, on both feet as well means that defenders just don't know which way to to show him and he was always going to get to a point where he was taking those chances again and, and finding the corners
1: with Richarlison as well I think we must be one of the most two-footed teams in, you know, and Kane as well you know one of the most two-footed teams in the league um you know Perisic I believe is actually right-footed, although he's paid most of his career on the left and you would never know (laughs) know, what is his stronger foot based on watching him. And and Son's the same.
0: Those first two goals were vintage Sonny um you know it 's like when you 've had the run of form he's had in a season where he's he's struggled to find his range, I thought it was incredibly brave enough mm. uh you know for firstly to go for that spec- for the spectacular um and then to find the target in such fashion for both those first two goals um shows just how good he is, and that you know we we the cliche of uh, class' is, is permanent form is temporary um <laughs>
1: that first one was perfect i mean you couldn't pick... Oh, it was you know, just- millimeter perfect.
0: Yeah, he had no right considering the position he was in to to be able to sort of find find that range and get and, and curl it round and over. Um, the keeper. Yeah.
2: He said there was a really nice interview on, I don't know you've seen it on Spurs play, where they do the review of the game with with Ben Haynes and Rob Daly. And they interviewed Sonny afterwards. And he said, As soon as I hit it, I thought I'd hit it too high. I thought it was going to smack off the crossbar. But it, then it just had the dip on it mm. that, that took it under the bar. Yeah.
1: I, I think maybe um, him playing in the front two is also probably what he needed to, re- mm. to regain his form because he doesn't have the defensive work to do quite the same. Um, a little bit more space to play in, obviously, with you know Leicester pushing so many men forward, even more so at that point. Um, I mean, I thought we looked pretty comfortable. I mean, Leicester had a couple of chances, but I thought we looked pretty comfortable after the third goal went in anyway. And then... You know by the four, by the time the fourth went in, it was all over. you know just just a great opportunity for him,
2: yes, and then he's jumped Alan Gilzin in our list of all time goal scorers yeah. as well, which when oh, uh, you wow. think about that concept, I mean Alan Gilzin's a long time before before any of our time, I think, but when you, when you think of Gilzin, you just think he's one of those legendary Spurs goal scorers he's just one of those names of, of spurs strikers that you, that you all know, and the fact that has gone above it
1: so in, in the Premier League now, so he's on ninety six Premier League goals. So with this game he overtook Ruud van Nistelrooy and Berbatov Dimitar Berbatov Oof. yesterday. Um he's now four behind Matt Latissio and you think how long he played for. Yeah. Uh six behind Ronaldo and 11 behind Paul Scholes. It's
0: He's he's it, definitely going to be part of that 100 club, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, he's in elite company now in you know in, in, in there yeah. and you know all of those you'd say were you know Premier League greats.
2: Yeah,
0: so well it, yeah. He, He's a Premier League great already. I think yeah. you know he will go down as one um, one of the best players we've seen in the Premier League and uh you know and it's fully deserved and like you said Milo he's a he's a, he's a really nice guy. I did find his what I liked about his celebrations um th- th- there was he was quite uh he was I don't know what the word is but they weren't his normal big smiley celebrations. Mm. But there is, there is was it's a,
2: a mix of of being humble and probably a lot of relief as well, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but there was also like a steely determination, like, you know, this is, I'm back.
1: <laughs> he must yeah. be gutted that he's got a two-week wait for, till his next game. Yeah. Well, at least <laughs> yeah. for us. I for mean, us, I think, yeah. I don't know how South Korea have got during the international break, but I, I pity them. But yeah. yeah, it's a shame we're not playing Arsenal on Wednesday because he'd be well up for it.
0: Oh yeah, and I think hopefully now this has got especially scoring a hat trick and you know what and breaking that uh, scoring duck this season. I thought at the after the our first game against Southampton, I overheard. I heard rather. righty and right say Mm. about him and that was a game we won and we were quite comfortable in and he made a good point he said oh I feel like Son has uh, got a case of um, golden Um, bootitis and what he was saying was that it was just that the season after winning the golden boot and you're just snatching a bit at things and you're maybe not maybe being a a teensy bit more selfish and if things aren't Coming off for of you, you, you suddenly build this pressure mm-hmm. in in your own head because you're like, well, I'm the current top scorer of the of the league, and you know, and you, you obviously want to keep that mantle. It's difficult to, um, oh, especially but this I, year, uh, yeah. yeah, especially this yeah. year,
2: <laughs> yeah. I sure this year. I mean, just just for the record, South Korea play against Costa Rica on Friday, and then they play against Cameroon next Tuesday, both in
0: friendlies. Just don't get injured, son. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Shall we move on to kind of closing thoughts? One positive, one negative, super quick it says here in 30 seconds ram uh
0: positive i've got two sorry the quality we could call from the bench um i think the depth we have now and we i, I touched on it earlier and uh right by, by on the side of that is conte mixing things up um so that you know to get us to win the game negative uh was just our lack of focus and sloppiness in the first half
2: yeah, yeah pretty much for me certainly certainly the the negative was how lackadaisical we were in the first half and the mistakes that we made and against a uh, you know a better side. Well certainly in our next game, I'd be very fearful if we made those sort of errors and invited mm-hmm. that sort of pressure onto our goal. Um the the, the the other negative for me or concern for me was just the decline in um in confidence in Cessignon. So in the first half, he started like a train on fire. So his instinct almost from the kickoff was to try and get down that left wing and to cross the ball. And there was a point in the second half where the ball got played to him in a lot of space just inside his own half. And there was space in front of him. You're waiting for him to burst into it. And then he just turned back and passed the ball back into to Longley. Um, and I, I think he's a player who really thrives on, on, on confidence. Um, the positive for me, yeah, is it's is, is, is got to be how good we look from set pieces. It's really everything that we've discussed already today. It's, it's some being back in form. Uh it's knowing that we've got that tactical ability to change games as well. Um, and of course the fact that we scored six goals and boosted the um goal difference as well.
1: Yeah. I don't know what to add to that really. I think um I think you're right. I think, you know, it was uh really exciting to to get her out. I think probably the negative is that we kept Leicester in the game for far longer than they deserved to be because mm. you know we, we could have done that from the off really and um you know but from two sloppy mistakes, it could have been a really, really comfortable, enjoyable afternoon. So a game that wasn't comfortable and enjoyable, or at least not for the last <laughs> five, ten minutes, was Sporting Lisbon on Tuesday. So by the time you listened to this a week ago, so I'm sure most of you have tried to block this out of, your, out of your mind by now. We won't dwell on this too long to, uh, to bring it back. And I think probably most of what we're going to say is probably the opposite of what we've just said about the Leicester game. What did you think of the team selection, Uh, Gareth?
2: I thought it was typically... I can't say conservative. I guess what we'll never know is what the team would have been at Manchester City. So mm. nominally, mm. we only made one change from the Sporting starting eleven from the team that had beaten Marseille the week before. So that was uh, Davis in for uh, Langley. But we've got no idea how we'd set the team up for mm. for City he would have had he would have been preparing for Man City we only found out Friday morning so presumably they would have started training Friday with Man City already in mind Um, and I don't know how much foresight he could have given to um, to Sporting to know what the starting 11 was so difficult really to um to, to work out how much of that was by design or not. Yeah, yeah.
1: I
0: agree. I thought Deku might have come in for this simply because he didn't start the previous league game. But um, yeah, otherwise as expected, um, as we tried to get a foothold of the group.
1: Yeah, I, I wondered whether um, whether this was a, you know, kind of a playing away from home in the Champions League, um, keep it tight, try and snatch something if you, if you can, um, you know, selection. Um, and certainly as the game wore on, that seemed to be what the game plan was. You know, I mean, how do you think we played overall? I
0: thought we created chances we did create some chances and on another day and if he could finish his dinner emerson gets a hat trick um but i thought overall we were poor in the final third um i thought kane was off charleston was busy without being spectacular and son offered little um you know and i think that's the thing i think once once but i think we talked about this extensively in the group chat um about you know if if those if there's fine margins if a couple of players aren't aren't are, are a bit off it, it does affect the whole of the team because of of, of how well drilled we, you know, we're, we're meant to be. So, it was a shame um, because I thought we deserved the draw. We definitely didn't deserve to win, but we deserved the draw. And you know, um, uh, and that 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 on another day maybe we, we would have got the
1: draw. Yeah, I mean, those Emerson chances fall into anyone else than we comfortably win the game, don't we? Yeah, yeah. What did you think, Harry? <laughs> I,
2: th- I think there was a couple, few patterns. Here. So, firstly, I think you you take that incredible 2018 19 Champions League campaign out of the equation, and we've been pretty awful in a way, European games, regardless of the opposition, for a number of years. Uh, there's a real noticeable, real palpable difference in the way that we approach home games to away games and it's almost as if away games we walk out into the pitch and think well if we can come away with a nil-nil draw here we'll be happy with that and we almost lower ourselves to the mm-hmm. um, to the level of the of, of the opposition generally. In saying that you know, I, I, think, I think you've mentioned beforehand that you're actually quite impressed with sporting and that's that is on paper, that's the, yeah. that's the hardest game that we'll play in yeah. the group um, but I did think it was a lackluster performance, I thought the other pattern that it it fitted in with was generally this season a lot of our games have been a bit of an arm wrestle they've been a bit of a flip Mm. of a coin game and I think by law of averages we were probably due to be on the wrong end of those having not deserved it necessarily I did think as, as the game progressed with minutes ticking down my my thought was, and I was trying to be as um, as objective as I can. The draw's probably the right result here. I don't think yep. either team have really done enough to to win yeah. it, and neither have particularly done much to lose it. And equally, I don't think any club across Europe would be watching that thinking, i really hope we don't play them later in the competition." Because so I didn't. I thought it was a fairly. Um, average game of football really between two sides who who didn't look as if they're going to trouble the scorers when it gets to the uh, final knockout stages the other pattern as well which which we shouldn't forget is conte's record in the champions league yeah. which is well it's average at best the number of games that he's won with very good sides in juventus chelsea inter and and now spurs they don't tend to to win many games um so i th- i think when you perhaps put all of those things into the into the mix us getting beaten and turned turned over away from home wasn't that unpredictable. I would expect us to have done much better had that game been played at home.
1: It's pretty clear that Conte struggles with two games a week and prioritizes the the league games um I did think with the man city game being off, then maybe that wouldn't be the case here because he would have enough time to prepare for the game. but you know it didn't that didn't appear to be the case I mean it felt to me that with um fifteen minutes to go, we were trying to see the game out and play for the draw and probably would have been fine with that apart from an absolutely beautiful um corner and yeah. you know a header that would be you know, very very difficult you know once he's made contact with that it's very very difficult to um to do anything about it i mean it was just mm. you know absolutely perfect and then for the second one i think everyone has switched off with you know i think they were just um you know, kind of gutted to concede and um and you know wanted to be anyone else but there and you know, ironically, the person who's you know the person who scored the second goal I think was probably brought on by sporting to see the game out and uh, hold on to the one 0 lead and <laughs> yeah. then um, you know decides to um see it through i mean Conte only made one change in this game and Gareth you mentioned earlier on about kind of seventy minutes was his you know the average time for his sub and um, he was bang on average like uh, like the rest of the side on on tuesday night um were you surprised that he didn't make more changes?
2: I don't think I was because the game was so delicately poised at that point. Although I say I wasn't overly enthused by the performance, there kind of wasn't a lot else there wasn't too much going wrong and the game could quite easily have gone the other way and it's quite feasible that we scored that goal from mm. a corner in the 91st minute and then of course he looks like a genius for not upsetting the balance and for keeping things exactly as it was mm. and you know, I think even if that header that they score hits the post and goes out um, right. and it finishes 0-0 because the second goal doesn't happen unless the first one does then equally so well, that's a really good point away from home having won at home beforehand and it's because he, he stuck to the system and the players were, were playing the system that he wanted to play and he did exactly the right thing so uh, it's one of those things that in hindsight you can say well yeah he should should have changed things around earlier and he should have given us more of an attacking impetus but actually a I think he was probably right to, to keep it as it was at that point.
0: Yeah, I think you know, obviously being pragmatic was probably key in a Champions League game away from home, where a draw would have been a good result. I was disappointed just because I, I think, just I always want Spurs to win, so I would be like, right, throw the kitchen sink at this and let's try and get the win, which isn't is ob, of course not the right way to go. But um, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it was a shame we we didn't decide to change things up, but. I think if we if we knew if we were playing for just keeping it safe and playing for the draw, then it would have been an excellent draw away from home and it just makes things a little bit ner- a little bit more yeah. nervy now in that group than it needed to be i'm still I am still confident we'll come out of it and and this game, even though we lost and the manner in which we lost, I didn't walk away from it like dejected or angry I was just like oh that's just a bit annoying Um, but hopefully we'll make it right in the the next few games
1: I mean it it probably means that we need four points off the next two games against Frankfurt doesn't it yeah do that yeah we're probably there
0: yeah I agree
2: yeah I I can't can't, um, Frankfurt won in Marseille didn't they
1: they did, yeah. Yes.
2: So I think that makes things very difficult for for Marseille. I think you're right. Yeah, you take four points off Frankfurt, you eliminate them as well, and then it. So it depends how much you want to push to try and get that top spot in the group, and what difference that would that would make.
1: Yeah, but a draw at home to Sporting, and we're probably through, aren't we? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So, I mean, Gareth, you've already said that. I've been quite impressed with Sporting. I said I watched their game against Frankfurt in the previous um, you know, previous week, and I thought they were they were really good in that. And um, I've watched them a little bit in. Um, in, you know, in, in domestically as well, I've enjoyed watching them. You know, how do you think they play? And you know, most of all, you know, what do you think of our old boy Marcus Edwards and how did he do?
2: He well, he 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 does things on the ball that are exciting to watch. He's got a very unique skill set which is very difficult to to replicate. Where he has the ability to pick up the ball in deep areas mm. and he has the and then to slalom through players and aesthetically to the eye, that's that's really really good to watch. Um, he's Clearly, a player who's on a bit of a on on a personal journey as well as he's on a on a football career mm. um, journey as well. And it, I th- thought he spoke very well after the game. Actually, in, you know, in in, in, yeah. in his interview, he came across as very did, humble yeah. in, in that in in the things that he said afterwards. Um, yeah, look, he's 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 good to watch, and we've seen clips of him over the last couple of years when he was playing for Vitória as well. He mm. he scored um, similar goals from the one that he almost very, very nearly scored against us in the in the first half. So it's a look, he's he's good to watch. Sporting as a side, he said they're perennial Champions League qualifiers, so that they play in that competition every year. I think they're probably quite content in the fact that they're always going to be selling the best players, mm-hmm. but they've got a good system there. I don't know how frequently the coach changes, but I know that the guy they've got in there at the moment is very highly rated. Yeah. And good chance we'll see him probably at Wolves at some point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that depends on whether his uh, agent is uh, Georges Mendez, doesn't it? But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a fair chance he probably is. I mean, I think on Edwards, they, um, you know, we've, we we rolled over our sell on clause um, when he joined Sporting. So we've got 50% of any uh, fee if he's sold. Um, and he's got a release clause in his contract for 52 million. So you know, potentially oh, we're wow. sitting on you know twenty six million pounds there. Um, I I do wonder whether that also means that he might be an attractive squad option for us because we can effectively get him at half price. Mm. Mm. And presumably
2: um, he's a homegrown player as he'd, well. He'd that be
1: uh, club trained, so for Champions League, you know very yeah. very attractive for the, from that point of view. Yeah. And you know, he's different to what we've got, but as an understudy to Deke potentially an option i suppose the flip side to that is that you know brian hill joined us uh from a better league and is struggling to establish himself and is um similarly diminutive but edwards has had two very very good champions league outings so far this season and i'm sure there's going to be english clubs interested in in him if he keeps this up yeah.
0: i think yeah i think you're right and i think we should we should keep an eye on him, because um, he could, you know, he could be part of that the future with with uh Hill and, and himself, like you know, in our forward line. Um, I thought he was like you said, Gareth. I thought he was really humble and came across really well in his uh in his post match interview. Ironically, I was telling my other half um just before he started speaking why we sold him and said, oh, there was a lot of question marks about his attitude, you know, and things like yeah. that. And then he comes out and he speaks so well and 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 so eloquently, and um, you know, and kind of very very mature and i thought he he kind of lived up to the hype that uh potch gave him you know so that he almost looked messy like and and he really did in that slalom yeah. run where he almost scored um and and uh, we mentioned wolves earlier but yeah I, I feel like sporting are a little bit like wolves very very easy on the eye very tidy very technically proficient lack a bit of you know um cutting edge up front but yeah some, they've got some very decent players there and a, and, a, and a good good team ethic
1: that's fair i think Edwards my understanding is he's just very shy as well I think um you know obviously there were when he was at Norwich I think his timekeeping was bad and he upset people there and I think similarly with us as well he was um you know a little socially awkward and um I think my understanding is that's the the same at sporting he's not um just not a very outgoing guy Mm. and um yeah maybe it's just a bit difficult for him but yeah but that's
0: such a shame then that he's been tagged a little bit with attitude problems you know because i think we all chat not us specifically in the pod but you know when I when you go online and stuff like that it, it seemed to be that yeah oh maybe his attitude wasn't right i mean
1: you know how old was he when he was on at Norwich what 18 19 18. I had yeah. a, i had timekeeping problems when I was 18 <laughs> I still have timekeeping problems, <laughs> so yeah. I think you know maybe it's just growing up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
2: I mean, just just on his age, I think it's worth pointing this out as well. We can you consider Marcus Edwards a young player? He's sixteen months older than um, Kulusevski. Mm. Just to put that into context mm, of how wow. of, of, of how young Deke
1: is. Phew, we got through it. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) I can let you into a little secret that the real reason that Steph isn't here this week is that he's incandescent with rage about the return of the Nations League. We share his (laughs) disappointment. that There'll be no proper football to talk about on next week's pod. Although we might touch on the long overdue return of Eric Dyer to the international scene and celebrating Harry Kane overtaking Wayne Rooney as England's all-time top goalscorer. But we'll also have all the Spurs news and a look at everyone's favourite ginger from Sweden. (laughs) It'd be brilliant if you could spare a couple of minutes to leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. It really helps us pick up new listeners and grow the pod. Thanks for joining me, guys. You made it really easy for me. I hope, Steph enjoys it when he listens to it and isn't too upset with us when he when he talks to us just afterwards
0: (laughs) you did a great job milo that was very enjoyable you did well Uh, milo yeah yeah.
1: god that was nerve-wracking as always thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week